Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to The Plotting Shed once again. You are listening to Rachel McCartane. I hope you are all well. Well, what are we going to talk about this week? It's one of my, I suppose, my pet projects and and one of the reasons why I established and set up Plant Plots um, as a garden design company because I felt that there was this gap in the marketplace and this disconnect between what gardening programs and garden designers and garden presenters and the gardening media have with the general public in that everything we see in all the gardens that we see on the television and in magazines and in books are wonderful and beautiful and they're lovely to look at and they've got lots of interesting things and beautiful plants and they're full of different areas but they're usually very big maintained by professionals and cost an awful lot of money to produce and make and maintain and I just think that there is a disconnect between and I don't want to use the word the average garden because gardens, you know, that that implies somehow that they're below par and they're not. But a normal garden that a person in the United Kingdom or anywhere in the world is likely to have who is not an expert gardener and just simply is not going to create a garden that looks anything like those in the magazines or these makeover programmes produce or everything else. And so all we're ever faced with is this either this zero or hero approach. If you can't get to the hero stage of your garden, there's very little help to get your your little garden, your your plot, your space looking better. You, you're kind of left to your own devices. And it's always been a beef of mine that that there isn't this let's let's do garden design for you know, that makes gardens better rather than makes gardens fabulous. They don't all have to be fabulous and difficult to maintain. We can have great gardens and wonderful garden design on a sensible budget and a sensible sized garden that people can look after themselves. So that's always been what I've tried to do at Plant Plots. And it's something I'm passionate about because I just think so much of it is, is left you know, people are just left to their own devices somehow. If I get off my soapbox for a second, then we'll talk about what this week's Plotting Shed podcast is is about. And it's about how you can make your garden feel bigger than it actually is. Gardens over the last 50 years have got smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, in 1983, 
the garden was 168 metres squared, but it's dropped on average, certainly since the, the 2000s. And with modern house building, now the average garden is really only about 50 foot long. Or in some cases, it's marginally bigger than a decent sized sitting room. And so everybody, when they step outside, you're immediately confronted with an open space that is very, very clearly defined by the fencing. You, here is your area. This is all you've got. It takes 10 paces to walk from one end to the other end. You're surrounded by buildings. You're overlooked by other people's properties. And this is very a common scenario for an awful lot of homeowners. The garden just isn't very big. And the bit that really annoys me, again, I'm going to get back on my soapbox, sorry, is when you hear a lot of designers talk about, you know, having garden rooms, you know, your garden is an outside room and we can fill this room with lots of different things and we can make, you know, partition the garden off in order that you can get a lovely journey from one room of the garden to another room. Well, that's all very well, but if you've only got 10 paces from the back door to the back fence, sticking a, a, a divider and a partition up is really not something that you should be you should be doing because it just actually digs into the space that you've got. And so I wanted to throw away that kind of high-end designer thought process um, and actually get into the practical, pragmatic elements of how you as a person with a small back garden can make it feel, I didn't say, you know, be, I said feel bigger than it actually is. So it gives you that sense of being able to sit in your garden and have that sense of escapism and that ability to unwind. So what are we going to do and how do we do it? Now, I have put a post on my website. So if you go onto the blog on the website plantplots.com, it is surprisingly entitled How to Make a Garden Feel Bigger. If you have a look at that, because there's a picture on there of a garden that I've, I've had a look at, and I'll show you the thought process that you go through to transform it from what it is to something better. I'll try and explain it as much as possible, but you can... If you go on the website, you'll see it much more easily. There are four methods, thought processes rather, that you need to consider in terms of making your garden feel bigger. And the four processes are this. Firstly, you have to avoid creating dead space. Then we have to find a way of disguising the boundaries. We need to captivate our attention. One part of the garden needs to focus your attention because if your attention is focused on there, it will be less focused on the overall size or lack of size of the garden. And lastly, you can be bold with, with the planting. You can be bold with what you put in. Small spaces don't need small things in them, but it's how you use them. What are the problems that small garden design throws up. Well, obviously the lack of space is, is an issue, but the biggest problem is that although in the UK the average size of the garden has been shrinking over the last 30, 40, 50 years, humans haven't. 
in fact we've probably gone the other way really but that's that's a whole another ball game and another topic anyway and if you want to sit down outside the space that your table and chairs or your bistro set or your little corner sofa takes up outside is still going to be the same it's just because the garden has got smaller the space that it takes up takes up a greater proportion of the garden and you really need to think about how you're going to use the actual outdoor space in order to fit everything together so you don't create dead space so what is dead space? What do I mean by dead space? Well, dead space is the area around, above or under an object that can't be used for anything else. So if you think of your garden not just as the ground and some fences, it's a 3D area. It's a box of space that you walk into. It gets up to about, say, eight feet tall and it fills the entire dimensions of your garden. So examples of dead space would be the space underneath your table or underneath a chair. You can't use it for anything else. If you put hanging baskets on the fence, there is a, an area around the hanging basket that you can't use for anything else. There's also the area beneath the hanging basket. It's difficult to put anything else under as well, simply because when you water, the water falls down on it. So again, that forms a column of dead space. If you have borders in a small garden and you only plant low growing plants in the borders, then the 3D space above that to the height of eight feet, what else are you going to put there? You can't put anything else there if you filled the ground space. So that becomes dead space. So the way to or maximize the space in the garden is to minimize the dead space that you create so you have to start thinking about how and where you place things and the best way to do this is to think of it as every object that you have in the garden forms a cube of, of space that it occupies so you'll see on the, the post page I've drawn a, a bistro table and chairs and I've shown you as a red box how much space that particular item object uses so if you draw those as boxes, you can then kind of sit them together in the garden as almost a sort of a 3D Tetris. And if you can get all those boxes to join each other without any gaps or awkward angles, then you're minimizing the dead space, which means that each area is used as efficiently as possible. Now, on the blog site, you'll see I've used an example of a very small courtyard garden. It's in an urban environment, it's an unusual, it narrows at the end rather, it's not terribly big, it's got a awful looking patio, it's surrounded by lovely brown fences, it's overlooked at the end of the garden and it's got windows sitting above the fence line down one side of it on the left hand side. It's a very typical outdoor space for a an urban city garden and it's not very big so what would we do in order to try and improve the use of this particular space now obviously I've said to you about the dead space now in this particular picture the two main areas of dead space one they've created a little bit brick-built barbecue which they've set at a jaunty angle and they've 
got some pots with some flowers on the left hand side. Now because those plants are only about two feet high, all of the space above the top of the plants to the above the height of the fence is dead space. And again the area around the barbecue, you have to keep that clear of of, of anything because obviously you're barbecuing and it's there's flames and you don't want to set fire to anything so that again is all dead space so we need to restructure this particular garden now i said at the beginning we have to avoid the minimizing the dead space but secondly what we have to do is try and disguise the boundaries you'll see from the picture that if you sat there in your sitting room with the patio doors open everything in the garden is dominated by two things the patio and the fences. Now in this particular instance because your garden is backing onto different gardens different people own the fences so you've got the front of the outside look of one fence and the back look of another fence and they're all different and this creates a muddled picture I suppose for want of a, want, want of a better word. So the biggest most visually dominant element of your garden is actually messy and untidy and it doesn't seem to join itself together and it all looks a bit disjointed and that vision of seeing every single part of your boundary only emphasizes the small size of the garden the first thing is to try and harmonize the fencing and although it sounds a bit counterproductive one of the best ways to make a fence begin to appear less dominant is you actually paint it a darker colour. Now in the drawing that I've done, I've gone for painting it a darker grey, not a jet black, a sort of a dark slate grey colour, to try and harmonise the colour of the fencing. But it still doesn't do enough. It does make the fence look more of an attractive feature, because let's face it, we can't hide all of it, so let's make it look better. So the next thing we've done is we want to try and control the view that the fences give us. So what I've then done is I've used horizontal wooden slatting that then goes the length of the fence and what that does is it creates visual lines that draw your eye to the end of the garden. Now in the original picture the end of the garden did already have a small border set in it with a couple of little cordyline plants in there but when you're sitting from the sitting room and looking down to the garden that's the natural place you want to look. That's got to be your feature. That's got to be the, the third part of this method, this design process, which is to give yourself something really spectacular, really interesting that will capture your attention and hold your view. Now, being in a small garden, one of the really simple tricks that we can do to create false depth is to use a mirror and in this garden it would work very well so what I've done is I've put a big mirror right on the back fence but a word of warning with mirrors especially if you're going to use a big mirror that we're going to plant in front of this so that's fine but you if you just install a big mirror as an open space you will find that the poor birds go hurtling headlong into it thinking that it's it's open air and, and they kill themselves by hitting the mirror. So if you're going to have a bigger mirror, then you have to put some form of trellising or something in front of it to break up that open space so that we don't cause problems for the birds. 
But in this case, we will have the impression of depth because the, fence, the, the mirror on the end of the fence will reflect back the plants in front of it, making it feel like the garden is a bit longer. So we've now created this mirror at the end of the garden and we've now given ourselves some very strong visual clues to say, I want you to look here. But as I said, one of the, in the second point, we have to disguise the fencing because if we see all of the fence lines, the top of the fence, the end fence, the side fences, no matter what we do, it still tells us and imposes on us, this is the boundary of the garden, this is as far as you go. So what we have to try and do is break that fence line a little bit so that you don't see the whole thing. We can't completely cloak the fence because the other side of that is if you try and hide all the fences with planting, you just create a big green wall instead. So in this instance, what we've done is at the back fence, we've put in a small feature tree, something that would be really attractive, but it grows slightly higher than the fence line. And then we've used planting in front of that, which will be reflected in the mirror behind, and it will give you a sense of depth. Now, in terms of the patio and the paving that was originally there, it was very busy and it was very cluttered. So again, the whole idea with making the garden feel bigger is to minimise the visual impact of the biggest things, the fencing and the patio. So what we've done again, or what I've done, that's the royal way, isn't it? What I've done is to paint the fences this darker colour, but use a similar colour for the paving so that the whole of that area melds together. The paving is much cleaner and more sleek so that it's not something that leaps up at you with busyness. Now you may think, oh gosh, that's going to make the whole garden feel really dark because it's dark fencing and dark paving. But the whole idea behind this is that when you put the plants in, those plants being brighter, lighter greens that we were using, jump forward. They become far more noticeable. The fence and the patio colour emphasises the green and that contrast makes you notice the green and what we're trying to do is create visual areas that capture your attention. The second part about using the planting is that we've gone for a very muted colour palette. If you go back to the original picture of the little courtyard garden you see they've got some colourful pots. Now bright colours in a small garden, yes they're very nice, but they also jump forward and they, they're, they're very noticeable. And what we wanted to do was create a garden with the feeling of space and depth and calm. So you don't need to be surrounded by vibrant, bright colours. So again, with the planting, it comes to the last element as well. And you can see what I've done is that because we've created a slightly bigger planting pocket on the left hand side, we can go for bigger plants. They have more visual look at me impressiveness. There's some taller plants that will sway in the breeze. There's a, a grass there called Penicetum, which will have these white flower heads that will constantly move, even in the smallest of breeze. And the whole idea is that you notice that. You notice the movement. You look at the leaf shape. 
you look at the different textures of the leaves or the colours that the leaves are. The fencing and the patio just become the, the walls and the carpet that you don't really want to notice, you just use them. So the whole thing and the whole visual element of the garden then feels a more coordinated space. It feels bigger because you're not being reminded how small it is. Then if you want to then have this, we go back to the original sort of when I was talking about garden rooms right at the start of this podcast, you can integrate the outside with the inside. Now again, you can see it's a very small garden and it's got these double patio doors that open out onto the garden. So it's most likely from the sitting room going out into the garden. So the way that you join the two spaces together is you can use a coordinating colour. If, for example, in your sitting room, your colour palette is you've got some orange cushions, maybe you've got an orange lampshade or whatever it is, you can introduce that colour outside. Maybe you have uh, a pot, a couple of pots or some garden ornaments that have the same colour as something in your sitting room, so that when you're in the sitting room looking out, you get this flow, that there is something that connects the outside to the inside. And again, because you're repeating an accent colour from one room out into the garden, you will look out into the garden. It will make it feel like you're looking further into the distance, and it will make the garden feel bigger than it actually is. So there you go. I hope you find that useful. You know, we can't make the gardens physically bigger, but what we're trying to do is not make the gardens so small, if that makes sense. And there are lots of methods that you can use that will help you maximise and, and make the best of the space that you have outside. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you will join me next week. We're looking again at small gardens and small garden design and how you can maximize the space, make a small garden as useful and as beautiful and as usable as possible. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartain of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download, you can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look, and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.